Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything that you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that's going to effortless unite your in-person and online sales into just one source of truth. You're going to be able to track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. You could connect with customers inline and online. And Shopify, it's going to help you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns. So we're talking about TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or you can use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for battle tested solutions. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. I say do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash headspace. That's all lowercase. So you're going to go to shopify.com slash headspace to take your retail business to the next level today. I'm going to say it one more time. Shopify.com slash headspace. Hello, friends. In this episode, I'm thrilled to introduce you to a podcast that you'll definitely want to squeeze into your listening schedule. This episode is brought to you by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Now, if you're like me and our other listeners, you're probably not just tuning into Radio Headspace. You've got about six shows on your rotation, which is great. Diversity in our podcast diet is something I fully support. So speaking of variety, let me suggest another gem for your playlist. The Jordan Harbinger Show. It's not just any podcast. It was named one of Apple's best of 2018. Jordan isn't just another voice in the crowd. He really stands out. He dives deep into the minds of some of the most intriguing people on the planet. We're talking about a wide range of guests, from athletes to authors to scientists and even mobsters and spies. And let's not forget, he also brings on CEOs, political activists, and FBI agents, depending on what might click with you, the listener. Jordan has this unique knack for coaxing his guests to open up and share stories and insights that you won't hear anywhere else. Each episode is packed with strategic wisdom that's meant to help you think more critically and navigate today's complex world more effectively. And it's not just the content that's top-notch. Jordan's Feedback Friday segment is particularly relatable. He tackles real listener dilemmas, everything from navigating tricky family dynamics to enhancing your career and personal relationships. It's one of those rare shows that you can tune into whether you're looking to challenge your intellect or need a bit more practical advice. From a personal standpoint, I'm a huge fan of how Jordan runs his show. He's got this approachable, engaging style that makes even the most complex topics accessible and entertaining. And honestly, his podcast isn't just good. It's a must listen. So why not add the Jordan Harbinger show to your podcast rotation? With never a dull moment, it's incredibly engaging and always interesting. Just search for the Jordan Harbinger show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R 
on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, friends, supporting my sponsors helps keep this show alive and kicking. If you give Jordan's show a try after this recommendation, it helps us continue to bring you great content. Show some love for The Jordan Harbinger Show by searching for it. Remember, that's H-A-R-B as in boy, I, N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on your favorite podcast platform. Hi, everyone. It's Kaysonga. As you know, this week is hosted by the incredible sleep expert, Dr. Eric Prather. And just to remind you, you can get his entire sleep course, Finding Your Best Sleep, on the Headspace app right now. Hi everyone, it's Dr. Eric Prather, your resident sleep psychologist here. I'm really excited because today, I'm going to discuss something that affects all of us but is rarely talked about. Sleep and aging. We might avoid this topic because aging is such a scary subject in our culture. But it's going to happen to all of us, if we're lucky. And sleep is a huge part of how we feel, our health, and our overall quality of life as we get older. So if we know more about it, we can develop tools to sleep well now and in the future. Today, I'll break down how our sleep patterns change as we age, and what we can do to have consistent sleep as our bodies naturally evolve. So let's dive in. My sleep is certainly not as robust as it was 20 years ago, or even 15 years ago. Some of that can be attributed to age, but you know, honestly, like a lot of things change within the life course that also contribute to your sleep. In my late 20s, early 30s, I didn't have children. I had different set of responsibilities. But also there's age-related change that we do see in the amount of deep sleep that we get and how consolidated our sleep is also changes. And I see this a lot in patients. Say uh, an older adult in his mid to late 60s is really concerned about the fact that he's waking up throughout the night. Some of it is to use the bathroom. Some of it is active thinking. But when we actually look at his sleep diary to see how much sleep he's getting, it just is a little bit more fragmented, but the actual duration is not so bad that it is close to this seven hours. But he's thinking about, well, when I was 40 or when I was 30, I would sleep like a log. I would just go to sleep, stay asleep, no problem. And so sometimes it's helpful to show people how sleep changes over time. It's also possible that older adults need less sleep, and that's actually for open discussion. We don't really know exactly whether it's part of the natural life course of how our brain functions and producing less sleep. If we got older adults more sleep, would that be helpful? There's also the consideration that in many cultures, there's retirement, there's more opportunities for napping during the day, we're less physically active, and all of those things can contribute to the structure of our sleep. The other thing that's notable is that we see this decrease in slow-wave sleep as we age. Slow-wave sleep is this restorative sleep. It has this repair function, and we do see that slowly decline as we move from decade to decade. Sleep apnea increases with age. You know, somewhere between 20 and 30% of adults are diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea, which is occlusion of breathing during the night. That's because we lose muscle tone. 
Sometimes we have excess weight on our windpipe or our, our respiratory system that causes an occlusion and ceases us to be able to breathe during the night. The challenge is that it's often really underestimated and underdiagnosed because most people don't know they have it unless their bed partner notices. Sometimes it's thought of just snoring, but sometimes it can be more severe. And obstructive sleep apnea is a strong predictor, particularly when untreated and severe, for a whole host of negative health outcomes, uh, most prominently cardiovascular disease and cardiometabolic conditions like type 2 diabetes and obesity are all outcomes that are related to obstructive sleep apnea. And we do have very clear treatments for this. And so for people that know that they're snorers, feeling sleepy during the day, or kind of just not feeling their best, it might be worth discussing this with your physician, just about potentially getting screened for this because it's in some ways kind of an insidious condition where people don't recognize it. And there's a wear and tear on the body that could be addressed much earlier so that everyone can get the sleep they need and have their health for as long as possible. For people experiencing menopause, it does often do a number on their sleep there is changes, a decrease in estrogen and progesterone, which may impact how well individuals sleep. But I think the thing that usually pops out the most is the emergence of hot flashes. So kind of this nighttime sweating and you're feeling these spikes and that causes awakenings. It can be distressing. You certainly can do environmental things like sleeping with a fan, sleeping with your window open, layering your blankets so that you can kick them off and help with uh, temperature regulation in that way. But when people are awake, they also get anxiety about the fact that they're not sleeping, they're distressed about what's happening to them, and that becomes a perpetuating factor in their insomnia. And so there have been clinical trials done to show that cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, that that can be effective in improving the sleep, despite the fact that it may not directly address the hot flashes even as sleep changes, our sleep system is not broken. It often just requires tinkering around with different techniques to see how we can best get it working. It's really helpful, for instance, if you're taking medications that impact your sleep at night, talking to your physician about whether that medication can be taken in the morning and not spending excess time in bed, even if you're resting, Doing it somewhere else rather than the bed can be helpful in ensuring that the bed still remains this kind of shrine to sleep. But also, if you're someone that's like napping during the day and not active and dealing with those sorts of things, having some compassion for yourself, the expectation shouldn't be that you sleep in a consolidated fashion throughout the night. And so, you know, knowing that, having that education that those things may modify what sleep is for you. All right, my friends, that's it for now. For more on sleep and aging, there's a great Life Cycle of Sleep video in the app. As always, thank you for listening, and I'll see you back here soon. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. 
In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.